Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, 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 guys. It's me, Tiffany, and it's Manja. We just want to say thank you guys. You guys are amazing. Thanks to you, since we started our podcast, it was just me and Mandy listening (laughs) to ourselves to now we get over 100,000 downloads a month. And I know it seems like that's awesome, but we could do even better and we have a favor to ask. Just a tiny favor. If you could, please share our show. Share it on your social media. You can tag us at Brown Ambition Podcast. Take a screenshot of the show that you're listening to and share it on Twitter, on Insta, on Facebook. Tell a friend to tell a friend. You can tag us on social media. We're at Brown Ambition Podcast on Insta, at the BA Podcast on Twitter, and of course, our Facebook group. You can find us under Brown Ambition. Don't forget to tag our personal handles too. On Insta, I'm at Mandy Money, Mandy with an I, and Tiffany is at The Budget Nista. When you tag us, we will share your post and help amplify it even further. Thank y'all for all the love. This is just going to help us give us that little extra brown boost. Hey, hey. Hey, hey, I had to do something extra special because, ah, do you know what this episode is? It's our anniversary, mm-hmm. our anniversary, hey. <laughs> it's our 234th show and our fifth season, fifth year. I cannot believe I have been talking to you almost every week, Tiffany, <laughs> for five Yes. You know, what? I didn't think about that. You're right. Almost every week of our lives. Because we really, really don't take any days off, like any weeks off for five no, years. Every I was week. in the hospital about to give birth and I was like setting up episodes for the show. <laughs> oh, yo, that's cray cray. Yeah. I mean, Tiffany, what do you go looking back five years, even just to, I mean, right now I'm in my moldy basement. You were in your beautifully renovated <laughs> up, well, the office uh, say apartment house. Yeah, well, the office is not. It's the only room in the house that has not been touched by a designer. So it looks exactly what you would think like a place of mine would look like without help. Nonetheless, (laughs) in your paid in cash house, renovated, (laughs) you're married. I'm married. Yes, you have a baby. Babies. Oh, we have been through a lot. I know. Soak it in. In five years. What do you remember about those early Brown Ambition days the most? 
I remember like, well, I remember when we used to go to the studio. Oh, you know what I remember? Remember I used to take all the snacks from your old job? Yes. Because <laughs> I was broke. Yes. I was like, <laughs> yes. So I was like, oh, are we going to be taping near the snack area? Yeah, can we You're just, like, um, yes. I have to go to the bathroom real quick. I'm like, mm-hmm, Tiff, the kitchen's over there. Yes. Yahoo had those good snacks, girl. That's why they went bankrupt like 10 times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they had Kind Bars. They had all my faves. So that was what you that. always used to like stuff your purse yes. with Kind Bars. Yes. <laughs> and I so did stuff my purse. Oh my god! Meanwhile, I'm yes, recording I that. A, a podcast they know nothing about in one of yes. their studios with their fancy, you know, soundproof <laughs> booth. I also remember one time we, we we it was like I don't know it was Memorial Day weekend and we were the only ones there. It was a Monday or something like that. Everybody else was barbecuing, but we went to the city and we taped the podcast. We were committed. Wow, I don't remember that, but it sounds like us. Yep. We just mm-hmm. taped on Labor Day, and I remember being like. Does Tiff, do do we do Labor Day as like a company? Are we a company? Do we have like federal <laughs> holidays? Whatever, we're taping. Well, my, they all, they all had off. My, 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 um, my, my employees and my staff, they had off. But I was like, I'm not doing anything. So, yeah. plus we had Just Breed. Hello. We will show up on a Monday for a Just Breed sing. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. <laughs> well, we've, we've yeah. also just changed the day around. We used to record on Sunday afternoons. That's we would, right. I remember, yeah, we went to the city on the weekend. We did the most for the show in the beginning. We did. The most. And now yeah. we're like, hmm, how little, how much effort... How little effort can we put into like showing up somewhere, keeping the quality top notch, but like mm-hmm. not having to commute because our lives have just gotten so much busier and crazier in yeah. those last five years. Yeah. Because where were you living five I, years ago? Oh my goodness. Well, what's funny is I was just going back down memory lane. I was going back and looking at the names of our episodes from the very beginning and even just the names of them. I'm, I feel like one of those episodes of like Saved by the Bell when they would look back at the last season and they'd be mm. all eating at the max. And then the, like the, the, you know, like the, the overlay of the picture would just kind of like swirl mm-hmm. and they'd have those, those chimes go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. yeah. But even the, I wanted to read some of the early headlines from our episode. Yes, because please do. They really brought me back. And where the heck is my, where is my notepad? Hold on. Here she is. I bring notes. I have notes. That's the thing. All right. And you tell me how you, like, tell me what you think when you hear these episodes. So our very first episode, Tiffany, do you remember what it was? No. It was Baby Limbo Braids and Brown Ambition. (laughs) (laughs) Almost because I was like, I don't know if I want to have kids. Both of us were like, "Mm, I don't know. They're nasty. (laughs) Remember, I was like, where did you get underwear? Because I was still wearing pack panties. Pack panties. (laughs) Yes. Panties. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my Baby God. Limbo yes. Braids and Brown Ambition was our very first show. Another one you might remember is that time Tiffany had a bill named after her. Oh, the Budgetista bill. The Budgetista bill. Oh my God. You mm-hmm. had a whole entire piece of legislation named after you. I know. Now it's the Budgetista law, which is even crazier. Oh, Lord. Uh, what about this one? Episode 43 Mouse in the House. Who had a mouse? Uh, Tiffany. You know it wasn't you. <laughs> so, <laughs> process of elimination. I'm like, I don't think you had you a mouse You don't remember that? When we were living with our in-laws, they live in Inwood, Manhattan, which is now officially called Little Dominican Republic. They've lived in the same building for like three decades, oh, over three yes. decades. And the super is a slumlord. Anyway, so we lived there to save money, which was my brilliant idea. And yes, I do remember that. Yes, and I had to record in this tiny little room, and they had, y'all, they had mice, okay? And during one of the episodes, like, two mi- two mice or one mouse 
Um, oh, in my memory, it's much out. more exaggerated. So there were two mice and they had like fangs and bloody trail behind them. Yeah, it zoomed <laughs> out from under the bed and I lost my, I lost it. Um, <laughs> I remember you used to be such a cusser, remember? You're like, look, I cuss. Yeah, what has changed? <laughs> no, <laughs> Nothing's changed. Yeah. You know what I do remember? Remember every episode, no matter what time we take, where we take, what day, Superman would somehow smell that I was taping. Yeah. And he'd be like, y'all taping? If he doesn't <laughs> walk in during this show, then that would, I mean, that's, the would it be a Brown Ambition show if we didn't hear that? <laughs> little creep. The only reason why he has not in so long is because he got foot surgery. Because, right, so he had like corrected mm. foot <laughs> surgery. And so it has kept him grounded. That's the literally the only Because I'm sure he'd be like, hmm, I feel like, I can literally tell him, babe, I'm taping right now. Just so you know. Okay, okay, no problem. Skirt. Oh, you taping? You taping? You taping? Okay, okay. okay. I'm like, oh my gosh. So yeah. It's like when you <laughs> go into an elevator and you can't help it, but like press the buttons. <laughs> Just, mm. How about this one? Speaking of my potty mouth, this episode was called Wanda Has Zero Fucks to Give. <laughs> so that's got to be about lady you name. Yes. and your 80-year-old. Who's Wanda again for people who don't remember? So Wanda is my my 80-year-old self because there's some study that came out to say people are disassociated from their version of their, their older selves. And so that's why they don't save for retirement and things like that. So I said, well, what can you do? to kind of make that not be true. So I named my 80-year-old self and I made it a game for myself and Dreamcatchers to name them their older selves and and talk to them, you know, when they're making choices to be like, hey, I think I'm going to go on this trip, but um, don't have the money. Think I'll swipe my credit card instead and figure out how I'll pay for it later. And Wanda's like, oh, so cat food for me. Got it. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Wanda had no idea. Well, well, thanks to your savvy budgeting skills, the budgetista, Tiffany, the budgetista, Alice, Wanda is eating catered fish right now. Baby Wanda. Yeah. Right? Catered this dinner. Is, this is true. I know. Could it's you. so crazy. I remember there was like one year where like I was so overwhelmed. Every episode I was like, I'm so tired. Yeah. I'm so over- <laughs> I mean, it was like a period of like six good months where I was like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> Maybe that's the that. episode that we called Sometimes it's okay to have a sad nap. Probably. That was a literal <laughs> title of one of our shows. Take a Aww. sad nap. That was probably yes. inspired by you and your funk. Yes, because I remember I remember being like, oh, wow, Tiffany, because I was listening back. And I was like, oh, every episode you're, you're, you're complaining about business. I was like, I think you're going through a rough patch. And it's just it just goes to show you that, like, you know, sometimes things are, get really hard. Because five years ago... I think maybe I had, I don't even know if I had started the Literature Academy or probably was just You had it. just started it. It was because mm-hmm. I had written a story about it for Yahoo Finance. Mm-hmm. And I think we had just launched the show. It was either like right after we launched it or was that same year that we launched probably it? Probably around the same time. Because I think yeah. Literature Academy is just like four and a half, five years old. Yeah. And so, you know, with any new business, it was so hard, honestly. And it wasn't like the Budgetista where there's like this direct return right away. Um, I mean, yeah, it was so, I mean, the literature academy almost failed so many times. And so I think I was just like, I don't, I don't know how to make it work. I'm already working all the hours I'm able to work. What's crazy so, is that yeah. I had the total opposite perception of you, Tiff. Like, I always thought of you, at, I mean, it's just funny how, you know, especially from my, from, you never see yourself the way others do. And I always saw you as like already successful. You had this established brand, established business. You were killing it. You know, and you were, but like you, you were still very much building the budget nista. Yes, um, I mean, very different then than I, where you are now. Yes, like because back then, because I had put so much work into the the budget nista, I want to say hmm, five or six years ago, 
maybe made $150,000, not Tiffany, I'm talking about the business. And then the year I launched the Academy, the Bajanita, because I couldn't focus on it, made $75,000 that year. So it's like, we made like no money because people think like, well, 75,000 is good. Yeah, the business, meaning like I personally took home about 25,000. So five years ago, I was like making less than my preschool teacher self. And so it was really stressful to work super hard and then to make next to nothing. Wow. Yeah, five years ago, I think I was still even live, staying in the room, like, or maybe I had just moved in with Superman. We, we weren't married yet. We were like, just like exclusive. So it was like, there definitely was not money. Like there was not, you know, money, it was just work. So those are some times. Can we just appreciate the title of our show for a second too? Because I just, re- I'm like, that was a fucking stroke of genius. Brown ambition. I mean, right? it, it, could it have better, I don't think it could have better described where we were at personally at that time. You know, having the ambition, the drive to succeed, despite the despite all the challenges. And I feel like this summer with Black Lives Matter, all these conversations around racial injustice and racism, mm-hmm. it was the first time I actually reflected on some things that happened to me while building my career. And how I was like, damn, you really just put your blinders on. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I accept that these things are true, that I'll deal with certain, you know, prejudices or certain stereotypes and I'll have to work maybe a little bit harder than everyone else. Um, but I'm just, I just did it, you know, and I think that's what brown ambition is. It's, it, you know, I don't know, how would you define brown ambition? For me, it's like the will to succeed and persevere in spite of the challenges, in spite of the fact that, like, you accept, okay, this shit is going to be harder for me because of what I was born into, my body, my race, my gender, mm. but fuck it. I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to beat them all anyway. Yeah, because I remember, like, my addition was, like, in this brown skin. Remember we were trying to have a, have a description Yes, we did a little our... intro once and never yes. again. Um, yeah. <laughs> it yeah. was, like, career, finance, what, like, you know, dating, whatever, in this brown skin. I was so proud of that. But Aww. no, you're right. It it could not have been a more perfect title because it's, yeah, it's just so crazy. It's, like, even though, like, I was in my mid-30s, you know? Like, I'm 40 now, but I was in my mid-30s, but I still very much felt like a kid. And mm-hmm. so I felt like, you know, we've grown up on this show. Wait, so you, you were know? kind of where, yeah, I was mid-20s. Mm-hmm. Wait, no, late cause 20s. I, no, cause, I'm 33 now. It's 28. Okay, never mind. Okay, I was like 20. Yes. I'm, I still think I'm 30 in my head. I keep forgetting those extra three years. That's <laughs> <laughs> the decade. Yeah, so you're a little bit further off than where I was, but it was just, yeah. but you are way further ahead than I was. Probably because I've been age. hanging yeah. out with you every week for five years, Tiffany. <laughs> Thanks. Because <laughs> at 33, I was like, so I think I should go to that event so I can eat tonight. Okay. Mm. <laughs> Literally at 33. Yeah, the business probably was making, I don't know, $50,000 a year, which means I was probably making about $15,000. Um, and literally, I would go to events that had food because I was like, that's the way I'm going to guarantee that I'll get like a solid meal. Now, don't get me wrong. I wasn't going to be like homeless or hungry because I have parents and my sisters and things. But that's how I would negotiate. Like, should I go? I'm going to go to that event. And yeah, it was, I don't even know. I look back at those times and you just wonder like, what was motivating you, Tiffany? Because just in general or with the podcast? <laughs> no, just I guess in like, general. You know, yeah, no, that's a good, yeah. that's a fair question. It was brown yeah. ambition, baby. That's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it was? It was just that I just wanted to live life on my own terms, you know? Yeah. So, you and wanted I was the like, freedom when you asked to make me to your own po- decisions. Exactly. I, when you asked me to do the podcast, I'm like, yeah, I want to, I'd heard of them. And I was just like, why not? I wanted, I wanted to try something because I had always been like, I'd always done kind of like the safe thing. And it was like, why not? I've never, I mean, I've 
I don't know anybody who has a podcast, but if Mandy thinks it's a good idea, you know, it's so funny. Someone else asked me to do a podcast with them. We know who she is. I'm not going to shade her because she's still cool. But she asked me to do a podcast with her, She like before you did. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I'm not sure what happened. I feel like someone told her that they shouldn't do a podcast with me. Hmm. I'm not sure why. Um, but as far as I know, they don't have a podcast now. But I just remember thinking like, because it was all like, oh, okay, yeah. And then they were like, yeah. I think she actually told me, she was like, yeah, my whoever told me that because she was trying to build and I guess she felt like it would be, I don't know if it would be competition or it would be whatever, mm-hmm. but um, that it wouldn't be a good idea to do a podcast with me. I remember being disappointed and I was like, oh, okay. And when you asked me, I was like, okay. And I was like, is she going to pull on back too? But then five years later, here we are. Well, because I genuinely, I mean, I think at the core of it, we just we just always clicked as as mm-hmm. friends, I feel like. And But I think it's like any friendship, you know, I can't lie. I think being where we were at in our careers at the time, but we're, we're in such a different, we're in the same, similar, like we're both passionate about financial education. We're both doing it in very different ways. Like my background's in journalism. You had Mm -hmm. the brand that you were building, the Literature Academy, all that. They're just very different. I always felt, and I think that's important and something to, to like a takeaway for why I think the show it hasn't just helped listeners. And I mean, it's helped hundreds, thousands of listeners. We've I mean, got millions of downloads to the show in five years. And I feel like there's a, I, I have so much respect for you and I am I come to you wanting to learn. It's like, I knew you well enough, but not well enough to like not take anything you take seriously, anything you say seriously. You know how like, if I was doing my brother, I, it wouldn't yes. work because I wouldn't yes. believe him. Like, boy, you used to walk around with Power Ranger costumes on and like post pictures of Backstreet Boys to your wall. Like, I don't respect you, <laughs> you know. Um, but and, and and while I've watched you grow and succeed, I think it's also, you know, this show has been a weekly um, reminder of needing to support. Like even when you were having up weeks or I was maybe having a down week, you yeah. know, I could still it would be a good practice for me to still feel like find happiness for you, even though that wasn't necessarily what was happening on my journey. Yeah. But, and then, but you're right though. It was just, to me, it was a good match because yeah, I always thought that you were like, well, not that I don't now, but I was like, oh man, is so smart. For real. I would just always think that like, oh man, is so smart. I'm like, she showed you what she want to do this. Cause you were like, yeah, I'm just going to figure out how to podcast. Oh yeah. I figured out how to edit. I'm like, what? Okay, girl. You're like, oh yeah, I figured I had a had a post here, and we're gonna do this. And I'm like, oh, Mandy is so smart. That's I mean, that was always my takeaway before I knew you well, and even after I've gotten to know you better. I just, if someone had to ask me to describe you in one word, it would be like smart. Oh, that is the nicest mm-hmm. thing. Like anyone's ever <laughs> said to me. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like, oh, I should have been doing more. I can't believe we don't have a merchandise store yet. What is going no, on? No, um, please, Mandy, you are a beast. I was like, yo, when you actually took time after the baby, I was so proud of you because I knew that you were overwhelmed, but I knew that you had to make the decision. And I just wanted to create a safe space that you knew that you, I'm not going to make you feel bad about taking time off, but I knew that I couldn't force your hand. I was like, well... I'm just going to let Mandy know that whatever she wants to do is what I want to do. You want to keep going? Okay. But I could tell you were overwhelmed. And then I was just so proud of you for being like, you know what? I can't do this. This is too much. I'm like, exactly, Mandy. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. At the same time, though, I've, I need this podcast. I feel like, I mean, and there are days, like we're human. There are days when I don't want to do it. I know there's days mm-hmm. Tiffany doesn't want to do it. We're both just like on the phone, like, mm, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? Let's record. We got this ad to do. <laughs> I mean, we're just human. We all, and, and, and you'd be tired. Um, but I, I feel like 
this show, I th- ultimately, I never feel worse having done it, having had a conversation with you. I always kind of leave, maybe not like, you know, maybe not every episode is, is you know, life-changing, but I always feel like better or, you know, mm-hmm. neutral. <laughs> I don't feel worse having talked to you. It always kind of gives me something. I can take something away from it. And I really value that. And on today's show, we actually have a special guest and um, it may seem kind of random for us to take a pause and kind of do an episode focused on mental health. But I've been transparent about my struggles with anxiety. And y'all know after I had the baby, I really struggled with postpartum anxiety, which really was just a, it was like extra. I had always kind of had anxiety. I just knew how to cope with it, but put a baby in my hands and all of a sudden I was a hot mess. Uh, and the anxiety really became just too much for me to cope with. And you know, I've been in therapy and I started taking an anti-anxiety medication and I feel, and one of the things today's guest, Dr. Imani, who we'll talk to in the next part of the show, she's really amazing. And I had a chance to just chat with her. I usually talk to guests before they come on the show to, you know, talk about what what they're feeling and what they want to talk about. And she, just the simple truth about therapy, she talked about how just saying your problems out loud to someone has Mm. so much power. And even if, like, obviously neither Tiff nor I is a professional licensed therapist, but it just gave me an outlet. You know, even when I wasn't in therapy, at least I can come to the show and talk about, here's my brown boost, here's my break, here's what I've thought about today. And I I really do feel like that has had a positive impact um, on my mental health all all these years. No, and I love that. Because I didn't realize, because I'm just so used to, I don't, when we tape, I'm just talking to you because oftentimes, sometimes we'll talk like a full half an hour, 45 minutes before we actually start taping. So it just always feels like talking to my friend Mandy. And it's not until I step out into the world, and maybe it's been like the last year or two, that people will stop me and they'll say something. And I'm like, what? They're like, Brian Ambition. I'm like, oh my gosh, you you listen? Because <laughs> yeah, I'm just talking like, to you. <laughs> There's times like I'm like, doing wait, what did it I for say? No one. Yeah. <laughs> I know. But I just love that, like to see... Like I told you, I was just at a birthday party and this woman walked in and she was like, oh my gosh. You know, I was like, oh, oh, she knows about Janice. She was like, oh my God, tell Mandy. I said, hi. I was like, oh, meanwhile. <laughs> I was like, I will. She was like, I love Brown Ambition. I was just listening to it in the car. And she's like hitting her husband's like, slap, 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 slap. That's what I was telling you about. <laughs> so and I just thought, this is so awesome. Remember I, remember I told you I went to a lovey's wedding and I came downstairs in the elevator, in the lobby was a young gentleman. I forget his name, but he was no more than like 22. And he was like, oh my God, brown ambition. And I'm like, you listen to, because he was fabulous. Like, and he just, I wouldn't think that he was a brown ambition listener. And so that's what surprises me that how many people listen, how many people like, just like, they love the fact that we're here every week and how many people really lean in and they're just like, you know, thank y'all for being y'all. You know, we talk about race. We've talked about babies. We talk about uteruses. Hey girl, who is mad about my uterus? <laughs> we we had, talk about we that. We've had at least two episodes with the fibroid in the title of them. I will tell you that. Yes. <laughs> and nothing, but you know what? Really. So many women hit me up after, at behind the scenes to either give me advice or just to share like I too, because fibroids are something that really plague black women in mm-hmm. particular. And so like, I just, I just, I love the fact that we are really honest and open here. And the Brown, Brown Ambition has been like just our extended family. And I just love how you guys love on us. And I love the fact that you're always trying to give me a hug when I told you I don't like hugs. Well, um, I mean, no, one's doing none that, no one's done that in a while, I hope. Because no, 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 they, they probably haven't. get fined. You could probably call the police on them if you wanted to. No, no. <laughs> but I just love that, that our BA family has been here through thick and thin. And you guys have continued to share us with folks and 
yeah, just all the loves you share on share with us on social media. And um, yeah, it's just been an amazing, awesome ride. Five years. I'm so proud of us. You don't get very much time to like really sit back, especially now. There's no graduations. There's no diplomas or degrees. No one kind of says, and now we'll take a pause and appreciate your awesomeness. But let's do that for ourselves because five years, 230 plus shows, millions of downloads, hundreds of thousands of listeners. It is amazing what we've it built. Is. It is. Period. Paragraph. Slash mm-hmm. comma. I'm going to do more talking because I always do. <laughs> Um, to continue, <laughs> I feel like this is this this feels like a new beginning for us too, and I'm I'm only I'm only more excited about the show and what's to come. I think the fi- the last five years were about building something from scratch, growing it. You know, it was a real turning point for me when it felt like not every person who listened to the show was like a dream catcher. No shade to dream yes. catchers, like love I y'all. <laughs> I mean, y'all were there for us in the beginning, dream catchers, yes. and they still are. Yeah. But you yeah. know, we're really expanding our reach. And but we never forget the the you know those those five hundred people whoever you are who first downloaded those early episodes like thank you for listening to us and letting us into your cars your homes your subway commute whatever um, we wouldn't be here without y'all and I'm very very excited for what's to come y'all can look forward to more engagement from us I'm finding I'm looking for new ways we can like spotlight our listeners and just show you guys that we're listening I I, I read your DMs I literally spend Friday nights responding to them. My husband's like, who are you talking to? <laughs> I'm, I'm dictating because I do audio dictation. Um, and I'm like, just be quiet. It's my, we, we have a thing. Um, and yeah, we just want you guys to know how, you know, appreciative we are for your, for your support. And yeah. all right, I'm done now. For now. Aww. <laughs> yeah. Are we ready to re- welcome Dr. Imani? Yeah, I'm so stoked for today's guest. Stoked. Is that a word I've ever said in five years? I don't know, but I just <laughs> said it right now. Yes, you guys, stay tuned. After the break, we're going to be right back with our guest for today. Her name is Dr. Imani Walker. I actually had a chance to talk to Imani yesterday, and she's amazing. Not only does she see patients daily during a pandemic, but she's also really transparent about her own struggles with mental health. And like I was telling Tiff, I am so excited to have her on the show today because with everything going on, I don't think we've really taken an episode to take a pause, take a step back and acknowledge what sheer hell we have been through um, as as humans these past six months in quarantine. And Dr. Imani is going to help us come up with some ways to cope with maybe with what may be increasing our anxiety these days. You know, we're six months into this. We're staring down another half of this year. Like, who knows what's going to happen in November? I mean, I think a news report came out yesterday that said life is canceled till like beyond 2021. So listen, We are humans, and I'm excited to have Dr. Walker on to help us kind of just talk about how to cope with that and acknowledge that, you know, whether no matter how strong you are or think you are, that some of us always need help. And I hope that what she has to say will be helpful to y'all. Molly agrees. Can you hear her? Okay. All right. Let's take a quick (laughs) break before my dog loses her mind. Be right back with Imani Walker. Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. 
Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. We have the amazing, the beautiful, the intelligent, and the real Dr. Imani. <sighs> Yay. Yay. Hi, it's me. Yay. No, I like that. Hi, everybody, and, and hi to you guys. I like that, though. Yes, it is browner just it because is. I'm here. Yes. Um, so, so yeah, I'm totally like, I'm so hyped to like meet you guys virtually because new normal. Um, but yeah, like this is, this is great. I'm super happy to be here. So Dr. Imani, you have been a practicing psychiatrist for how long now? Um, let's see my, I'm like looking at one of my degrees on the wall in my office. Yeah. Okay. Um, flex on us. That's all right. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like that really wasn't a flex, but I realized now it sounded like one of my degrees, one of my four um, <laughs> things on the wall. Um, you paid so, for them. Let's, let's respect. Well, okay. I will, I will admit like, honestly, <laughs> I didn't pay for them. My parents did. Right. Okay. So, okay. so I actually spoke about my mom. I spoke to my mom about this because we have a, a YouTube show actually that um, we, we usually do it every Monday. So I, I have to do that in a couple hours, but I never let anyone know in school that I didn't receive financial aid or that I had a scholarship. Wow. So I would always memorize where the financial aid office was because at the end of the year, you, like, apparently you have to do like your financial aid wrap up. And I don't know anything about like, I've heard of loans, like Stafford loans and stuff, but that wow. didn't apply to me. So I would just memorize where the financial aid office was because I didn't want people to know, you know, that my, basically my parents saved up for it. And um, I did have a scholarship. My alma mater is, is, is Xavier University in New Orleans, and I had an academic scholarship. HBCU. Yes, XU, yes. yes. But um, yeah, I, I never, my, my mother told me when I was a senior in high school, she was like, well, you know, if you want to go to a school in the Northeast, and I'd gotten into like Wesleyan and Vassar, which is my mom's alma mater. She yes. was like, you can do that. But you know, she like, she was really, really adamant about me going to Xavier because I wanted to be a doctor. And it's basically a black doctor factory and has been for decades. So she was like, here's the thing. We can pay for your college because it's significantly cheaper. Like it was much, much cheaper than Northeast, um, like Ivy League tuition. She was like, I can pay for your college. You can get a car, you know, basically like you can be out here. But when, but if you go to a school in the Northeast, you're going to have to take out loans. And I was like, well, then no. <laughs> I was mm. like, I'm not doing that. So um, my, 
my so basically that's what happened. So when I would be at a college, like I said, at Xavier, and then when I was in med school, I knew, I mean, the majority of people that I knew who were in my med school class were on scholarship or, you know, received financial aid. But and I knew where the office was. I knew the building, but I just never been in the office because it didn't apply to me. So that's amazing. I love that story. And also how odd that you were ashamed of something that was so amazing. Yes. It was, I mean, honestly, it wasn't that I was fearful of anyone shaming me. And I wasn't, I wasn't ashamed of having like my friends know, like the brown and black, you know, friends that I had. It was more so like, I was like, I don't want these white people to know because then like, it's it's like, oh, so, because the assumption is you're on financial aid when we all know Mm -hmm. that white women benefit the most from, you know, affirmative action and and those types of scholarships, right? Or those types of situations. Mm -hmm. I just didn't want to have the conversation of like, okay, you know, my parents are very, um, they're, they're very, what's the word I'm looking for? They're very austere. And that's what they taught me. And that's what they taught, like, you know, my cousins and everybody else in my family. So I always saw money as a tool and not something to just be spent. And I guess I didn't want anybody to think that like, oh, so you think you're all that. So I actually, I haven't admitted this to anybody outside of my circle of friends. I don't think until like this year. Cause I just didn't, mm. I just didn't want, I just didn't want people to know. I'm like, that's my personal business. And then also the way I grew up, it was like, you know, you keep your financial business to yourself. Mm-hmm. So we always, I guess, I mean, like we were solidly middle class, then we became middle upper class, but we still, you know, went to Sam's Club, went to Costco. Like my mom grew up on welfare. My dad uh, wasn't on welfare, but he, he, you know, just had two hardworking parents that weren't getting a lot of money in the Jim Crow South. So I was just taught to, you know, like, yeah, it's money, but like it, you know, it ain't for you. Like you, oh, you want an outfit? That's that's cute. Go get a job. So I've been working since I was fourteen. <laughs> ever since you could have uh, get your working papers in New York. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, working papers. Working yep. papers. You have to go to the high school and get yep. your working papers. Yep. So you can work in the summer. <laughs> yeah, I used. I went to this. Um, there was a school. I went to Calhoun on eighty first and West End in Manhattan, and there was like a. I, I don't know if it was like a special needs school or something similar. It was like a block away, and I remember when I was fourteen, I went over there and got my working papers, and I've been working. So if I I'm 44 now. I've been working for 30 years. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So anyway, I'm sorry. How to answer your question? Because I just did I even I, ask a question? I you was did, just asking in the no, glory I, of this I story. <laughs> just I have so many follow-ups. <laughs> I have like I can go on tangents. So just like you know, be like Imani. Okay, tap out. You do um, have your own podcast. Can we just say Imani State of Mind? Check I it out. I love it. I listened to the uh, one of the most recent episodes yesterday. Oh, nice. It's super fun. Um, I've been so I've been a practicing physician since 2009. That's all oh, right. I that was my, my question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, I love it. No, 10 years. Wait, 2005. So 15 years. No, 2009. So 2009, Nine, okay. I finished okay. my fellowship in forensic psychiatry. So since then, pretty much, I've been um, treating psychiatric patients. So you are well, so business must be booming. Um, Yes, business is booming. <laughs> I would say, I mean, like straight up when this, when all this happened, like I freaked out like everybody else. Cause it was basically, it was like Friday 
And I'm out here in LA. So it was like, I think it was March 13th or something like that Friday. It was like, um, okay, so we're probably going to be on quarantine. And I was like, okay, well, I don't really know what that means, like as it pertains to me. And then Monday, we were all on lockdown. And I was like, oh my God, like, do I have a job still? (laughs) Like, What am I going to do? So I've pretty much been exclusively seeing patients via telehealth. So either by video conferencing or by the, via telephone. Um, and is business booming? Yes. I, I, I work at a hospital. I am the medical director and also the chief medical officer at a mental health hospital out here in Los Angeles uh, called Gateways Hospital. And the patients that I see, because I have a forensic psychiatry background, these are patients who came from jail or came from the state mental hospital. They might have committed some really like really egregious crimes, but it was due to their symptoms from mental illness. So I basically get them stable and keep them stable. So it it hasn't it hasn't necessarily increased for me. It's it just I had to change the mode with, with mm. I had to change the mode of how I was seeing my patients, which honestly I really I really like being at home, honestly. I mean I think we both talked about how we were introverts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the intersection yeah. between mental health and the, the what's happening right now. I mean, everything happening in the world is just a lot right now. Yes. And I feel like it is the exact right moment to have you on because we're like five or six months into this thing. And I was telling Tiff, like, we really haven't taken a step back to pause and, and examine sort of how has this affected us all? So, I mean, what would you say? I know that your, you know, your patients have, like you were saying, you know, severe mental illness, but what are sort of like, can you break down like mentally sort of what it is, what's happening to us? What's going on? Why why anxiety is up? It feels like people who had maybe low grade depression before are probably more prone to having it pop up now. I mean, like Tiff, how's it been for you? Like, I feel like we just need someone to explain to us what's happening and how we can like cope. Yes, it's been, um, there were, especially in the beginning, at first I was like, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm not good, you know? And then, so there's just been this wave of good, not good, good, not good. And I remember last night I was scrolling through, through social and I literally had to say no. My husband wanted to show me one of those videos. We all know what I mean, what we mean by like, you know, black, dead, mm. black, beaten bodies. And I said, honestly, babe, I, I refuse. I refuse. I'm not looking at any more of those videos. I'm not, it's too much. It's too much and um. Yeah, that's how I'm feeling that I'm feeling that I'm feeling in a place where I feel like I'm striving hard to protect my peace because it's just all too much. Yeah, I am. I have always known that like I'm not good with seeing people in the act of being hurt or being tortured. Like I, I don't I don't want to invite that into my space. I'm now I'm fine with you know, picking up the pieces and helping someone after the fact. But for me, all I need to know is like, okay, so tell me what happened. Okay, great. Those are the facts. All right. Now, how do we get it better? I haven't watched one video probably since, I'm not even lying, probably since Rodney King. I'm like, I'm not watching this shit. Like, I'm not, I don't need to invite that into my space. So, you know, I'll I'll look at the news, like, um, not look at it, but I'll read the news from my news app on my phone for like 15 minutes and a day. And then that's it. Because everything else is like speculative and conjecture and things that, you know, I don't know if you guys have been noticing this, but like the news that that bubbles up through the COVID cracks, if you will, is some wild shit. Yeah, because like, it has like, to be to take away the headlines. 
from COVID. It's wild. I saw, I saw like apparently there's like, I mean, it's summertime, but you know, kids in cars overheating and dying. And some, there was some woman who like kills her grandparents. Like it's just, it, it's so much weirdness that's going on. So I purposefully don't like, if there's a video, I'm like, I ain't watching that. Like I'm not trying right, to be in bed all pandemic. day. It's also, yeah. it's this reckoning we're having, we're, we're having, yeah, I, I can talk. We're having with the reality of what it's like to be black in America black and brown mm-hmm. in America. And that is happening at the same time where like everyone's lives are at risk and the world's on fire and the pandemic's happening. I mean, so you mentioned- Killer locusts. I'm just kidding. There's no killer locusts. There's killer <laughs> wasps or something, right? Like- Africans. Well, I didn't see that there's yes. aliens on Venus today. I was like- There's oh, aliens okay. on Venus. Can we join them? Do they like, <laughs> you know, are, you know? can I apply for admission? I don't know. But I Imani, saw can- that, but I was like, and this is the nerd in me. I'm like, is that possible? Because- I think Venus is like a gaseous planet, but whatever, whatever. Again, let's not even focus on that because I'm super nerd. I'll, I'll nerd out. So let's. My let's knowledge not. of Venus is like Sailor Moon from you know high school, but <laughs> yeah, that's about as far as it goes. But so okay, but but 15 minutes. So limiting news. I think that's something that I need. I need to do that because I am obsessed with telling my Google. Like I'm like, hey Google, tell me the news. Just whenever I have downtime or I'm cooking or like walking the dog, I just I'm, I've become kind of obsessed with listening to news. But you're right. Like it doesn't really change. But something about no. that has become like a tick for me to want to consume it just to see if something new has happened or if there's new information. There's something I I was told last week I was doing this. Um, I was being recorded for this documentary about millennials and um, mental health. And my topic was anxiety. And there was an interesting term the producer used, which was, uh, what did he call it? Um, doom scrolling. And, and I was like, I was like, what's a doom That's scroll? That's very apt. <laughs> but it sounded like, I mean, again, I'm a nerd. It sounded, I was like, is that like Ninja Scroll? Like the anime movie from back in the day? He was like, Imani, no. I was like, okay, sorry. <laughs> but it was, but he, so what he explained was doom scrolling is the act of basically like what you, what you explained. Like you're in, you're in your news app or, you know, you ask your lo- your nearest AI, uh, you know, machine, Alexa, Siri, whoever, like, oh, tell me the news. Cause it's, it's, everything is so out of our control and just being able to at least, you know, ask and ask your phone or ask your device, hey, can you tell me the news is somehow comforting because it's something we can control. But then when we start to actually read or it's we're, we're told the news, we consume the news, we are trying to gain more control of our lives. But the problem is that like I said before, there are certain things that are factual in the news. There are a lot of things in the news that are factual, but there's a lot that there's a lot of new, a lot of news stories that are very speculative. Like we think Biden might win, oh, but we think Trump might win, or we might think that, and it's and it's it's not doing us any good. I understand that these news outlets need content, but it's not doing us, the public, any favors because it's just creating this, this creating this mood of like. I don't give a fuck, but then I, I'm mad anxious all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, it's like, well, I'm anxious because I don't know what's going to happen day to day. But then at the same time, it's like, well, okay, well, what do you want to do? Like, I don't know. What can I do? Like, I can't go outside. I can't go do hood rat shit with my friends. I can't like, you know, like do, <laughs> like, I can't like, I can't like be me. So 
to answer your question from like five minutes ago, my bad. <laughs> um, I think what's been happening as far as let's, you know, let's use doom scrolling as an example is very similar to what happened in the beginning of the pandemic with the toilet paper, right? So why did everyone suddenly want toilet paper? Why did everyone suddenly want bottled water? Like, it's not like, oh, we have a pandemic. Now the water is the water is poisoned. It's not poisoned. It's just that we wanted to be able to have control of something when everything else was completely chaotic. Like our world's turned upside down. I went from, you know, being at work on a Friday and now I'm home on a Monday. Like, oh, what am I supposed to do now? And that was really, that's, that was really scary to a lot of us because we maintained schedules and our mind, our minds were maintaining routines that even if the routines were annoying, like sitting in traffic or, you know, having to go to work and talk to your coworker who you don't like, they were still things that your mind could count on. So humans are, first of all, social creatures and we're also creatures of habit. And when you take away both, you're going to have what what we now have, which is probably the largest global mental health crisis that we've ever encountered. So if we're going to talk about, you know, why do people feel this way? Even why do I feel this way sometimes? Because again, we're used to habit and we're used to structure and it's gone. It's gone. Like we're we're trying to, you know, six, seven months in, I, I can honestly say that I have a better structure, but it's still not what the what I'm used to for the majority of my life. So we're kind of just looking for things to, you know, gain control over. I think for, you know, honestly, for people who are anti-mask wearers, yes, it's silly to me as a physician. Like, why would you not wear a mask? Like, I respect myself. And even if you don't respect me, like you should respect yourself and not want to get sick potentially for me. But I think a lot of it is that they're like, okay, I can, this is something I can control. I can control whether I want to wear my mask or not, even Mm. though, you know, maybe I'll get a ticket depending on the, the, the town or the city, or, you know, maybe somebody will yell at me, you know, depending upon the, the business they enter. But it's, I mean, it's, it's become unfortunately and overwhelmingly very political, but it just reminds me a lot of like, we have to hoard toilet paper and water because, you know, what's like, what's going to happen? I'm like, I have no idea what was up with the toilet paper thing, but I actually have like obsessive compulsive personality disorder. So I have a habit of hoarding cleaning products anyway. So I was actually pretty good. (laughs) You were said, I do feel like the doomsdayers, the survivalists, they really came out on top. Oh, listen. (laughs) (laughs) They were The ones who've been like stacking their canned beans for months. Yes. They were like, I told you. And someone like my mom, who's a nurse and who was like, I've been told y'all to wash your filthy hands. Mm -hmm. Exactly. She's like, it's my day. So I'm like, like, I, I, I mean, as a physician, I've been around a lot of sticky, you know, nasty kind of situations, but it really wasn't until this pandemic that I was like, damn, like people are nasty. Like y'all like collectively, like y'all do not wash your hands. Like it used to be, you know, like I would go out to the movies and then, you know, I would, you know, go use the bathroom and go wash my hands in the, in the restroom. And then it, there would always be like somebody in there who wouldn't, and we would all be like, oh, like she's nasty. But you know, it was because of, you know, like people like that or people who, you know, oh, let me drink after you. Let me be all up in your face. I mean, that's, you know, unfortunately how, um, you know, some of us got sick. Mm. 
Well, let's talk about healthy ways of coping. I mean, you mentioned sort of like you want to control something. So like, what are the things we can do to bring back some sense of normalcy and control in our lives when everything feels like it's batshit crazy? Right. So I think the first thing to to do is, and, th- and this is kind of the, hard, the hardest thing to do, is to admit that you're stressed, admit that you're anxious, admit you're depressed, admit that you can't sleep, admit to yourself that... You know, even though we've been in this for a long time, we're now at the point where we're quote unquote used to it. We're not on like a fundamental level, but it's like, okay, today's Monday. I'm going to do this. I look at my schedule. I'm going to do that. But it's not an ideal situation. So admitting that that you have an issue, admitting that you are not comfortable, like things are not right to the point where it might be interfering with your day-to-day and, and interfering with your mental well-being is key. After that, I would think that the best thing to do is for, for someone to talk to someone they trust. Because you'd be surprised, and I'm, I'm speaking as somebody who has a history of depression and anxiety you'd be surprised, or I was really surprised at how helpful it was to get my feelings out of my body. And Mm. when you're dealing with depression and anxiety, a lot of it is guilt-driven. It's like, well, I don't want to burden this person, you know, with my personal issues because they're going through all this stuff too. And you know what? If that person is a real, real friend to you and they really care about you and love you, they'll listen to you and they'll, you know, kind of help you through it. And that person might also be going through things and you could also serve as an inspiration for that, you know, for your friend, a loved one to be like, you know what? Like, I, you know, like, let's talk about this. Um... I think the third thing to do is to really set a routine. And and Mandy, you and I spoke yesterday and I definitely agreed with you at the time. Like I like routine versus schedule. Like a schedule sounds like, oh, this is my class schedule for the day. Like these are things that like I have to do, but I don't really want to do versus a routine, which is like, oh, I'm going to wake up at this time because that's when I want to wake up or that's when I might need to wake up. It's a routine to me sounds, I mean, it's semantics, but it sounds like it's more, it's something that I can control. It's more manageable. So, you know, depending upon, you know, the person's, you know, lifestyle or what they need to do. I, I mean, I remember in the beginning of the pandemic, I actually was trying to schedule like cocktail hour during, during the like early <laughs> evening. Like I can maybe relate. not, yeah, like maybe not even drinks, but like canapes, like something. Like I was just like, I need something to just make my day feel like, oh, look at this. We're having a good time, right? And then I think, you know, the the other thing that people really need to consider, and as terrible as this pandemic has been for a lot of people, the one thing that has really been great about it is that there are actually, it's actually easier to get hooked up with mental health services because most mental health clinics aren't open but they do see patients or you know or referrals or clients via apps via um uh video chat via telephone even so it really has at least in psychiatry and psychology 
Whereas telemedicine or telehealth was something that some of us were into, like now we all have to be into it because if if that's if if we don't get used to it, we don't get um, acclimated to it. We're not going to have patients. We're not going to be able to treat people and have pe- and help people feel better the way that we need to right now. And you know, I think the I think the the last thing, and this is going to sound you know kind of obvious, like Captain Obvious, but. You know, I tell people, I tell my patients, like, you know, if you if you don't have a pre-existing medical condition that's preventing you from going outside, like, go outside, like, go outside, because I, as an introvert, I'll I love being in the house. I'll stay in the house all day long, but when I finally am like, okay, we got to go outside. I'm like, oh my God, it's so nice out here. Like, look, look at this. Like, look at these trees. Like I can feel the air now right now in LA and in California, like the whole state's on fire. So there's sometimes there's like, yeah, maybe don't breathe too deeply out there. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I've been in the house for the past, like four or five days. So I'm starting to feel a little bit antsy, but you know, I think exercise is important. Like you, like we really need to find what we can do to increase our levels of serotonin in our brains so that we don't end up dipping into depression and anxiety. But unfortunately, a lot of us have. It almost brings up another another important point. You mentioned like guilt and shame. And I feel like there was this something that happened with the pandemic where people who were at home, it wasn't just like, let's go outside. It's like, oh, I'm going to, this is when I'm going to train for a marathon or I'm going to learn how to, I'm going to start um, that triathlon I always wanted to do. Myself, personally, I got a Peloton and I'm now it's something that I'm like, oh, why am I not on the Peloton? Why do I not have a hundred rides yet? And it's almost like, you know, you can take these little things that maybe make you feel better, but then that becomes the stick that you beat yourself with a little bit when it comes to like guilt and shame. So how do we like talk our how can we just give ourselves a break for not going so over the top with this extra time that we perceive that we have? And, you know, like there's this idea that you can win quarantine by learning a new hobby or a language. Mm-hmm. Why, why are we right. doing that to ourselves? We're doing that to ourselves because we were so go, go, go before the shutdown. So I remember distinctly, I'd wake up, I'd go work out at 6 a.m., I'd come home, help my son with his lunch and make him breakfast, take him to school, come back home, run four miles, check my schedule, see, you know, like I was like the, the amount of things I was cramming into a day was absurd. Like It was absurd. And it wasn't until, you know, I, I was as we all were forced to take a step back that I was like, what, why are you doing this? Like, wh- like, w- are you going to win something at the end? Like, no. So once I was able to slow down, it really afforded me the opportunity. I mean, it was hard, but once I was able to slow down, I was able to really just take stock of, you know, like, what do you want? Like, what do you want out of life? Not out of Wednesday, not out of this job. Like, what do you want? And I was like, honestly, I'm like, I'm, I've been grinding since 2000. I had a med school in 2000. I'm like, a bitch is tired. I'm tired. I'm tired, you know, like I still want to, you know, see patients and make a difference, but you know, I don't need to, you know, start training for the, for, you know, a bodybuilding competition or whatever, like these goals I had beforehand. It's, it again is, is that it's that desire to have control of your life, but by distracting yourself. So uh, there were a lot of things that I was doing to just just distract myself because I had to realize that I wasn't happy. And when I was able to do all of those things during the day and just pack my day with stuff, 
did I feel better? Maybe superficially, like, did I feel like I'd accomplished something? Yes. And I think I equated accomplishing whatever it was, quote unquote, with feeling good about myself. And once that, once this pandemic pulled the rug out from under us, we were searching for things to do. Like, like I saw some, some meme on Instagram that was going around, like, if you don't come out of this pandemic with the skill, then you wasted your time. I'm like, first of all, don't tell me what to do. Okay. That's, that's number one. (laughs) Um, Number two (laughs) is, number two is everybody should be allowed and everybody is allowed to live their own life as they see fit. And, you know, do I, do I want to learn how to knit? Do I want to learn how to, you know, do needlepoint? Of course I do, but this may not be the right time because I'm not able to, I I don't have, like, honestly, we're at a point where we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Like I, like I legit don't know. Whereas before the the shutdown, like, you know, people would say it metaphorically, like, well, you know, tomorrow's not promised. So live for today. And you would feel it on like a certain level, but now I feel it. And I know that on a cellular level, like I do not know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen politically. I don't know what's going to happen, you know, news-wise. I don't know what's going to happen regarding COVID. Like, you know, are we due for the killer locust swarm that, you know, sh- we should be experiencing? What's the point of it all, Ivani? Like, right. why are we... This is... The, I'm, I'm, like, playing devil's advocate, but this is, like, a small part of me inside my brain that I'm constantly trying to talk down off the ledge is, like, what's the point in saving? Why don't you just blow all your money now? Like, I mean, on what, really? But, you know, I feel like... <laughs> Financially, people are, and you and I talked about this too, like the sense of um, the structure that you have with your budget. Like even something as simple as a household budget seems to feel so silly or like doesn't really compute with today's world. So how can you adjust like mentally how you look at your finances and your financial planning? So much of that has to do with the future, which none of us can predict right now. A lot of it, like when we were talking before, a lot of, for me, budgeting is very tied into my self-worth. Because budgeting involves money and I have, you know, we're in a capitalistic, we're in a capitalist society. So I have oftentimes equated more money equals, you know, better, better self-worth, which is really terrible in hindsight for me to have even thought that. But that's really what we're taught, right? I would say that, I'm sorry, ask me that question again because I totally forgot. (laughs) You are so much like me. I'm like, Dr. Money, are we like... uh... No, are this we, is this is COVID. Wait, this was it's us COVID on the phone brain. yesterday. <laughs> I'm like, this is wait, COVID. Like, me? I'll be like, yeah, blah blah blah, and then I'm like, wait, what? what right, that's me. The future, even, the future. How do we like make financial okay. decisions today when it's so hard for us to like remind? Like Wanda, we were talking. Tiffany imagines herself in the future as Wanda, and everything she does is for Wanda, so Wanda can be happy and you mean like low Wanda? <laughs> like I got you, <laughs> like right? Because Wanda sounds like a sassy old lady name. Because I just see Wanda cussing and I mean, busting. I was. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've always, you... I've always, con- I've always contended my spirit animal, Shanene. Um, yes, because honestly, I mean, and that's that's kind of a good point to make right now. Shanene was is, I'm guessing she's still alive in our consciousness. Shanene is a small business owner. She does very well with her salon. She has support. She had um, Key Lolo and her other friend. And every, you know, and she, every so often she got to, you know, have fun. But for the most part, Shanene was a hard worker. So I think, you know, if I imagine myself as Martin's <laughs> character, 
Martin Lawrence's character on Shanene, like that, that actually, I mean, real, real talk, that honestly is probably what I'm going to do when I get off the, this phone call because I do need to like work on my budget. But I think that that's a good thing to do. Like what, like imagining yourself as Wanda. Yes, it's you. Yes. I mean, we're kind of used to in this day and age with social media, imagining ourselves as an avatar, but there's something in psychiatry, psychology that we call, um, like, like when you, when I'm talking to somebody, let's say who's experiencing depression or has in the past, and I will sometimes ask questions to determine if they're goal oriented or future oriented, right? A lot of us are not goal or future oriented right now because we don't know what's going to happen from day to day. But if we can kind of imagine ourselves, not as our, oh, I'm going to be my best self. I'm going to run this marathon. I'm going to have like a thousand rides on Peloton this month. Like, it's not that. It's not, it's not like goal oriented. Like I hit this goal. It's more so needs to be about imagining yourself in a happy place, despite what's going on, because we are, we're in a new normal. It's not going to be the same way as it was before. It, it isn't. I mean, I don't know anybody personally who would feel comfortable walking around without a mask, like in the airport, in a restaurant, in a, you know, like anything like that. So I think it is, I think it's good to focus on what do I, like, I want to be someone who is at peace. I want to be someone who definitely feels confident. And when it comes to budgeting, I know that I was having a hard time last month because I actually was starting to slip back into having some anxiety and depression. And so um, I was telling Mandy this yesterday. I was like, you know, I, like, there were some bills that they were like, Imani, are you going to pay these bills? Or like, what's up? Because you usually do and now you're not. And it was because I was just so cloudy with my thoughts because some of my depressive and my depression and anxiety symptoms came back. And honestly, I would say over the past two weeks, I had my medication adjusted, like I had it increased. I have been more go with the flow, like water off a duck's back. But I was, I mean, seriously, like stressing in bed, like, damn, you didn't pay your AT&T, AT&T cell phone bill. Like, look at you. Like, like you, like you really fucking up right now. And it's not that serious. It's not. It's just that I needed to get to a better place where I felt better. So I think that when it comes to budgeting, it's it's important, but I'm I'm gonna have to change my budget to reflect the fact that like I don't go nowhere. I don't have to, um, I don't have to in- include my restaurant, um, the the restaurant portion of my budget where I that I would usually use. Now I will say this: last month when I wasn't feeling that great, I was I was like, oh, Nobu's on Postmates. Word. Okay. (laughs) Like, and then it's like, oh, well, that's going to cover it up. But then I ended up like feeling bad about it later because I was like, you don't need to do that. So I think we need to really look at the, at a budget or this, this new normal budget as things that we need, not necessarily to feel happy and great because I bought a lot of dumb shit and I'm like, where are you going to go with them sneakers? Nowhere. Like you don't need these things, but I think we really need to just, just look at, you know, how can we make things easier for us? How, you know, do we need to outsource certain things? Does our budget allow for that? Because it wasn't really until like maybe last year that I was like, oh, I really need to like outsource these things. Like there are things that I can afford to outsource or, you know, there were even things that I would barter for other, with other people with, for other people with. So, you know, I think we need to get to a point 
or people hopefully can get to a point where they feel they feel better about themselves. And that really might involve someone talking to a mental health therapist or a mental health clinician or a psychiatrist, psychologist, what have you, but also talking about like, what are the things that make me, me? What are the, and, and maybe what are the negative coping strategies that I was using before the pandemic, before um, COVID that I've carried with me into this pandemic? Snacks. Yes. <laughs> I was just slipping all of that in. Tiff, <sighs> you've been quiet. What are you thinking over there? I've just been thinking that like one of the, what I love, well, I guess if there is any bright side to all of this darkness is how comfortable people have gotten talking about therapy and suggesting therapy to each other. And when I mean people, I mean black folks. Mm -hmm. That never was a thing. It was like, girl, you better pray. No one talked about therapy. (laughs) And um, Mm -hmm. it's just become, like I just said it to someone the other day. I was like, yeah, well, you know, have you considered therapy? They're like, yeah, yeah. mm -hmm." Even like my churchy friends, which is like, I mean... You know, that was never a thing. Like, my, I have a super churchy friend, and she was like, oh, I talked to my therapist today. It was so great. And I just thought, you know, if there is a bright side, it's the fact that people are understanding that you need help and that going to therapy is not a replacement for God and prayer and that they can work in, tangent, in tandem together. Thank you. Um you know, and um, I'm loving because people like, you know, like Sarah Jakes Roberts, she says that all the time, which I love because so many people look up to her, T.D. Jakes' um, daughter. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so I guess I was just thinking about that because quite honestly, I've been dragging my feet. I've been needing a therapist. I want a black woman for the longest. Just to, there are, what I do, um, I have several companies that I want. It could be really stressful. And sometimes I won't even know that I'm stressed until I'm like, yeah, so when's the last time you slept fully, you know? Um, So just having a place to, because I'm like the go-to for everyone. There's literally times when I feel like I'm, everyone's pulling a finger, a toe, a side. Yes. I'm just like, like what people are like, I text you. I'm like, I have 50 unread texts. Text is the new email. (laughs) Um, Right. I mean, so, yeah. So, I mean. I just think that if, if anything else, it just is like, Tiffany, you need to find a therapist. I don't know why I've been dragging my feet. I guess I'm just like, ugh, I don't, I don't feel like interviewing people and figuring out the right person. How am I going to make time for them? I don't even have time for myself. True. But then, you know, it's funny. There was something, there, there was like this work. It was like busy work that I had to complete for my job. And I finally got around to like finishing it today. And I was like, it's going to take so long. And I don't feel like doing it. It literally was data entry. Like this, it was not a big deal. And then today when I was doing it, now that like I'm not, you know, my motivation's better because I'm not depressed, I was like, Imani, you could have been on that. But I didn't get on myself about it. I was like, you know what? We're going to use this as, a, you know, a, a, a learning point. Like you didn't do it before because you weren't feeling right and you got some help and now you feel better and, and that's okay. So I will, but something that you said just now reminded me of the fact that a lot of people, and I think especially like I'm Generation X because I'm I'm almost 45. So, but Generation X, the baby boomers, they always get on millennials and Gen Z, like, oh, you all are so lazy and you and your cell phones and this, that, and a third. But honestly, I think, not think, I definitely know just by following social media trends and, and whatnot, that if it weren't for the black millennials 
we would not be talking about therapy like it's nothing. Like, oh yeah, like, cause they'll legit be like, oh, I got a therapist. I got an individual therapist. I got a group therapist. Then I have a therapist that I check in with like every two months. Like they're very pro-therapy. And as much as they were maligned and and for, I guess for being like the quote unquote Adderall generation, they are really taking up the charge to just make it very normal. And I really appreciate that. Well, you're welcome. Yeah, well, <laughs> Mandy's, a, Mandy's a, you. a millennial and I'm, I'm Generation <laughs> X as well. I'm, I'm 40, Dr. Imani, so I'm Generation L X as well. So Mandy's yeah. our local millennial. I'm always like, what do the millennials say? Even though sometimes Mandy's a, like an old lady. I'm like, girl, get with it. How do I know you don't know? <laughs> I'm a layered and complex individual like everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's just like, don't feel it's, it's the, it's the negative thought spiral, which is, and this is for me and food, because listen, my coping mechanism is food. And I am really appalled at how much weight I put on in this pandemic, but it's almost like the shame of the eating habits that have plagued me for my entire life stops me from doing the things that I know I can do to make myself feel better. And then I feel bad. So then I just layer it on with more food. And it's, it's this like self-fulfilling negative prophecy that, man, I'm just like, I, I and I start beating myself up because I'm like, Jesus Christ, like you're 30 something years old. Shouldn't you be over this by now? This isn't cute. Um, but again, that we're just, we're so hard on ourselves. And I, this conversation right now is just reminding me like, we just, as much as you, as much as I say it, I know intellectually, I need to be nicer to myself and just like one day after the next, but it's, it's really hard to like yeah. be a human today. Not a black is. human, a woman human, age, location, whatever, just a human in your specific part of the world. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned like, like you're trying to intellectualize your, your desire to want to make yourself feel better by eating, right? So not that, I mean, I'm using an eating disorder as an example. I'm not saying you have eating disorder, but- Yeah, but probably I do. Go ahead. When, (laughs) But when people are, when people, let's say, have binge eating disorder- or even anorexia nervosa or bulimia where they binge and then they purge. I I used to actually work at a hospital, um, an an inpatient hospital with with, uh, patients who had really, really severe eating disorders. And the one thing that they all told me, whether they were binging, they're binging food or restricting their food or purging their food, is that they would get high from the maladaptive behavior. So anorexics get high when they're not, like when, I guess when their blood sugar drops, I don't know because I'm not anorexic, but they do feel this state of euphoria. And it's kind of similar when, you know, I would say most of us, myself included, have gained weight during this pandemic because it's like, like last month I was like, donuts are amazing and that's really it. So I'd like six and I'm going (laughs) to eat them every day. I'm going to eat six donuts every day. and, And that's that. Because it is boosting your serotonin in your in your brain. And that's making you feel better, but temporarily. And then the guilt and the shame sets in. So it's interesting that, you know, you, even me, we like we're we're 
creatures that we can, human beings are, are creatures that can, you know, intellectualize anything. So it's like, oh, well, why do I keep doing this? I've been doing this since I was a kid. It's not something that you can really, it's not something that you woke up one day and decided to do. It's something that your brain decided, well, is your serotonin low? Then let's eat everything. And then, and then we'll feel better for maybe like 30 minutes. So again, like what you just said in terms of, you know, we need to stop beating each, beating each other up so much. It, it's that's really what it is, and I know it's easier said than done, but I've really been trying to on the daily, like just think about things, like you know what, like oh, you had to pay that parking ticket. You know what, it happens. Pay the parking ticket. Like whereas before, I would just look at it and then just get mad, and then I flip it over, and then you know I'm like a day before I'm gonna get you know have to owe the city double. Like there's so many things that I have personally guilted myself over that completely make no sense. But that was a function of me having symptoms of of mental illness. Mm. I feel like we could keep talking and talking and talking. (laughs) talking. (laughs) Dr. Imani, it's been really amazing you having, amazing you. It's been so amazing having you on the show today. I just want to say thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Honestly. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Where can no, this- people find out more about you and what you have going on now? Okay, sure. So I'm Dr. Imani. Um, I have all social media pretty much, but I would say the place that I'm most active is Instagram. So um, I can be found on Instagram at Dr. D-O-C-T-O-R dot Imani. I also... Uh, have a website of the same name, it's, but it's dr-imani.com. People can find me on YouTube. Just search for my name. Again, it's Dr. The word spelled out, Imani. And I have a podcast, which uh, is called Imani State of Mind. And it's pretty much everywhere there are streaming, there's a streaming podcast platform. Um, Imani State of Mind is essentially me and one of my best friends, and we talk about uh, mental health and mental illness and, and wellness, but we talk about it in a very casual pop culture based situation. So it's it's not it's not um it's not a sad podcast. Like we're definitely giggling the whole time and just like just acting silly. But you know, I I'm someone who that's my personality. I'm just kind of goofy by nature, and that's how I am with my patients and my friends. And so I wanted to at least show people that mental health doesn't have to be dour and sad and scary. It, it actually can be a lot of fun. So that's that's really kind of like my baby. So that's why I spent so much time uh, explaining that. But um, but yeah, Imani State of Mind, YouTube, Instagram, my website. I guess if if you want to see me, you could always go to bravo.com. Sorry, bravotv.com. Um, I'm one of the cast members of Married to Medicine Los Angeles. Um, yeah, and I think I pretty much exhausted all of my <laughs> all of my avenues. <laughs> What's your address? I, I know, right? Okay, so I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you so, so much. This was illuminating. I mean, I feel like if every therapist was like you, people would not be afraid to go to therapy. Yes, I Oh, agree. that's so nice. Yeah, I'm I'm an open book because I'm like, I, I mean, the patients that I see, I have to. You clients though? Because people are going to ask us. 
the the well, I'm sorry, what'd you say? I said people are gonna ask us, yeah, how can I get an appointment with Dr. Imani? <laughs> so okay, I have been I, I have been considering um reopening my private practice because th- that actually has been occurring more. But the patients that I see are actually th- their referrals through the hospital I work for. Um so I would I would say probably the best way to get at a quote unquote appointment with me is to listen to my podcast. It's mm. really good, y'all. Listen to the most recent one, the new normal. I and it felt like your friend on the other end of it was like everybody else, just like, don't tell me it's the new normal. I refuse yeah. to believe it. <laughs> yeah, Cam is wild, but <laughs> yeah, we have we have a really good time. Um, but yeah, I, I just wanted to have somebody on my podcast that would be the common person as opposed to me who, you know, if I if I, if you you know keep talking to me, I'm gonna start sounding like you know a professor, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> you went to Xavier. True. Yeah. True. The doctor factory. Smarty already. True. 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 <laughs> All right. Well, y'all go check out Dr. Imani everywhere, and thank you again, Dr. Imani, for coming on Brown Ambition. Of course. Yes, thank thank you. you. This was super fun. I'm glad I got to meet you guys. Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. This is one of the all-time best pieces of advice ever given on the show. Actor Rain Wilson. The number one thing that psychologists point to with young people of why they are struggling so much in this mental health epidemic is they don't have resilience. So how do you build resilience if you don't understand suffering itself? The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen. 